0: Welcome to
1: Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand what your company is worth and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business, build a valuable company to be
0: proud of, and exit on your terms. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 169. My guest today is Daniel Mosha, who is the founder of Tech Guru, where they act as the IT department of CPA firms, so it's a managed service provider that only does IT services for CPA firms, and Daniel is also an EOS implementer, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is the book Traction, which you hear me talk a lot about, and Daniel's on the show today to talk to us about how he started his business, how he grew it, and then really ran into a bunch of personal challenges business challenges, and then decided because of these external events that he wanted to be a present dad and be a good family member that he needed to work himself out of the business. He talks about Micah, his, uh, his second in command, and now his partner who is the integrator that was able to take over the reins for Daniel as he decided to really pursue his passion to help other businesses implement EOS and then experience a better version of themselves and their companies. Why is this important? Because Daniel starts talking about return on capital. What Daniel did is he decoupled his W2Pay from his business. He looked at it like an asset and a valuable asset that has distributions. It's got a value tied to it. It allowed him to reinvent himself and then pursue his passion outside of the business to create his EOS consulting business. So There's so many takeaways in this podcast because Daniel has a life after business while still owning his business. So the big takeaway is you don't have to sell your business as long as you reframe your mindset and you realize that the business is an asset. It's worth something. You can put it on self autopilot and still be in your unique ability of managing it, strategizing it, being on the chair or on the board, whatever it is, while continuously pursuing your passions and life after and outside of the business. So that way you can always be happy. And then you've managed, essentially Daniel's checked a lot of the boxes and all the five principles. So I really, really, really hope you enjoy this episode because Daniel proves that you don't have to get burnt out and just randomly sell your business. You don't have to sell your business in order to get out of it. He has checked a lot of the boxes and is an example of what we can all accomplish. If you live intentionally and have a plan, If you want to understand how to put this all together, check out our growth and exit boot camps. They're based on our five principles so that way you can determine what are your personal drivers. So what do you want out of the business and why? The second one is what are your financial targets? We do a deep dive into business valuations, calculating net proceeds, how to identify your target income annually, personally, and then your target net worth and what the business needs to be worth for you to accomplish your goals. The third principle, all the exit options, we walk you through ESOPs, family transitions, internal transitions, private equity recapitalizations, and how each of them impact your valuation, when and how you get your money, the deal structures, so that way you can understand how they impact your drivers and your financial targets. Then we get into the fourth principle, which is ways to increase the value of your company, so that way you can make your cash flow more sustainable, predictable, and transferable. Then we help you analyze team of advisors so that way you hire the right M&A attorney, CPA, wealth manager, insurance provider, banker, real estate provider, any of these people that can help you optimize your plan. It's two days, it's 5,000 bucks, and it's a crash course so you understand the whole world of M&A so you can either go get a life like Daniel has so you can keep your company knowing that you have the ability to pull the trigger whenever you want, or you have the ability to put a plan in place and intentionally go get what you want. Check out the links in the show notes. And if you have questions about the two days and the agenda, feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn or my email at rtansom at arcona.io. With that being said, enjoy my interview with Daniel. Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Three days
1: jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions you'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Three days at our Conus Boot Camp will give you the clarity to
0: control the rest of the journey. Danny, how are you doing today?
1: Awesome, thank you very much for having me. How are you?
0: Good, good. I'm excited to have you on the show, local uh, local business owner and entrepreneur here in the Twin Cities, and you and I have uh, known a lot of the same people over the years. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show because you have taken a different avenue to this life after business concept of growing and having freedom from your business some people think that's totally offloading the company or you know having to completely uh pull the rip cord like (laughs) the last person they interviewed you were completely different and um we're going to be getting into how you've been living intentionally over the years and so the people that you know the listeners that are not familiar with your story let's you know let's start like how did, did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Was it intentional or was it kind of a set of circumstances? Let's bring us back to like how how it all started.
1: Thank you. No, it certainly was not not intentional. Found that I liked uh, helping people with their computers. I like playing with computers. In my high school, middle school years and in between middle school and high school, I was fortunate that a coordinator, a gift and talented program coordinator at uh, the middle school saw something in me. And particularly that I would always stay after school and mess with the computers at school and help me get into a summer science program for nerds, essentially, uh, where I learned how to like, build a computer and everything there was to it. And so after you know, a two-week class, I thought, oh, I know everything there is to know about computers, so <laughs> now I can do this. And I then like, was like, with that confidence, went and got a job at a local Computer place in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And through a lot of persistence and follow-up and dialing up to my Juno email account to send emails and stuff. I finally got a job there and I worked there throughout high school where I really learned a lot about computers. And then on the side, people kind of would say, Hey, can you help me with this? Can help me with that? Whether it was teachers of mine when I was in high school or friends and their their parents. And so I found myself fixing people's IMAX and synchronizing their Palm Pilots. And yeah, it was a lot of fun at setting up Netscape Navigator for friends and family. And I'm like, gosh, I, I think I might have a business here. People keep giving me money to do, do something. It seems like that <laughs> might be it. A- so then I uh, decided to make the move to go to the big big city, to the University of Minnesota and the business school. And I figure, oh, well, that was into my technology, little consulting thing. But I still kept my clients in Eau Claire and I'd drive back on the weekends and help them out with their computers and their businesses and their homes. And uh, then I started getting like connected and referrals to people in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that needed help with their computers too. So one thing led to another and I'm sitting in my dorm room, freshman year of college, university, thinking to myself, my gosh, I think that I I should set up a business. It doesn't feel right to like, like just be making money and have me, people pay me and not have like a business set up. So I stayed up super late, found a name and a domain name, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I registered with the secretary of state of Minnesota. And on March 30th, 2004, thus began my official entrepreneurial career.
0: That's it, and which I, I love because I'm familiar with your industry because um, that was part of my past as well. And as we kind of go through this, I mean, where you started was way before the kind of the the inception of managed IT services as it is today. And so as we're kind of going through this, Daniel, you know, maybe we can do a hop, skip and a jump, kind of explain what you're doing today because then they'll get some context. We kind of go back because I'm super interested in the journey that you've gone from growing and then decoupling yourself financially and also from the management roles and responsibility from the business while keeping it and then kind of going through this. But in, in the middle of all that too, you also transition your business model and niched in too. So there's a lot that I would love to unpack here. So maybe just kind of give the broad brushstroke and then we can kind of take it in chunks.
1: Right on. Yeah. So uh, today, Tech Guru is IT department for accounting firms nationwide. We have about 15 uh, team members and all of us are located in, uh, in Northeast Minneapolis in our office in the Granville Brewery Complex, a really cool space that we'd expect maybe from a IT company near downtown, centrally located, so it's really helpful from a talent acquisition and standpoint. People want to be working in this kind of hip, hip area. Anyway, so we are in the managed services space, which is me, which means that just like your cell phone bill, uh, we're billing clients a fixed monthly fee based on the number of users they have uh, and staff members to manage every single aspect of their technology, whether it be service desk, technical support to quarterly technology planning sessions with our, that we do with our clients, to all the new security, uh, cybersecurity packages that we're rolling out every single quarter, new enhancements to help our clients stay secure. We're trying to help put hackers out of business, one small business at a time. And uh, of course, all the backup and preventative maintenance and cloud services that complement and make all of that t- tie it all together to make that happen but you know it wasn't always rainbows and unicorns right you know several years before that we were an IT generalist helping and working with anybody and everybody if you had a computer you could be a client of tech guru uh, <laughs> really yeah, yeah and the problem with that was it led to burnout low profitability and high turnover and low customer satisfaction because we couldn't be everything to everybody and so that's when it's, it came to clear that hey we need to we need to figure something out here and then we switched into managed services and that's that model that we we mentioned. And just a few years ago, two years ago, we selected a niche focus. So instead of being an IT generalist, which is kind of a bloody red waters of of competition and and cost comparisons and difficulty in differentiating ourselves, uh, we took the difficult and scary step to focus on a niche. And the funny thing is, initially, we picked dentistry. Oh, did you really? (laughs) and we're like we're going to be the IT department for dental practices dent, dental tech guru or something and it only took about 6 months at 20 some thousand dollars later to <laughs> figure out that dentists are great people but they don't really get the most or out of leverage out of the technology that, that we the type of An things offer, that we yeah.
0: do <laughs> no, You're sitting in front of mouths all day long. No, ideally. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And the technology is helpful to them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not not a strategic lever game changing thing like it is for CPA firms. So we did a quick pivot. We didn't give up, even though it was tempting to do that. And we said, no, let's go with number two, plan B. Isn't that funny? Plan B, how often how plan B worked out. It's so far working out so much better. I just did a webinar, for example, last week on cybersecurity for accounting firms, simple steps. You can take 600 attendees, 70 some people that want to hear from us.
0: That's crazy, dude. And we wouldn't
1: get 78. We had, I don't know if we've had 78 leads in the last 10 years, let alone from one webinar. I bet so, you like,
0: like every listener would, would appreciate 78 leads.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's no chance we'd ever be able to do anything like that when we were back to being when gent- we mm-hmm. a generalist.
0: So then, because um, I want to unpack a couple of those things, but before we would go down those different roads, explain, explain kind of what you're doing, your daily activity is as you've decoupled yourself um, with the business to a certain extent.
1: So today I own three roles in the company. I'm, I'm responsible for three roles. I'm the visionary. So that means that big relationships, big ideas, big strategy. That's me. I technically own finance, uh, which is me handling larger financial decisions and financial forecasting. I actually really like that part of the business, financial, the financial back end of it. But I'm so grateful I've got a phenomenal controller who used to be a CFO of a $30 million company uh, who, who does all the real work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I technically own marketing, and that's something where I have passion, but um, again, I have somebody who's managing that. So the last thing I've done recently with that is establish a strategic partnership with a CPA peer learning organization called RootWorks. Oh, cool. And they're helping build the modern firm, which is so, and they're so aligned with what we do. And so we are there right now, they're a trusted technology, exclusive technology partner. So that's, that's the kind of things that I'm working on on a, I wouldn't even call it day-to-day,
0: but more like a week-to-week basis. It's
1: about maybe a day-a-week
0: involvement at the company. And then the rest of the time is spent doing some other passion of yours. Want to give a little bit of uh, insight on that?
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, working with entrepreneurial leadership teams, helping them get what they want for the business and build their ideal company by helping them install the entrepreneurial operating system EOS, or as it's commonly known, Traction. So I'm working with 14 leadership teams currently to help them do that. It's the same. We use EOS at Tech Guru. We use it to this day. It's the same thing that helped us. Move through a lot of these difficult transitions and phases in the development and growth of the business, and i don 't think that Techguru would exist or certainly wouldn't look anything like it does today if it wasn 't for our use of tech guru and it 's thanks to eOS that I essentially worked myself out of a job that allowed me to continue to stay involved with Techguru, make it a self essentially a self managing company, which is a, a term that is used in Dan Sullivan 's strategic coach methodology. Uh, and made it so that it's it's helping it's like a, my playground still i get to do the things i love live my unique ability at tech guru uh, but still have time to do other things and continue to learn and grow and work with other leadership teams as well so
0: which i the, what i find very interesting about your story that um when we can kind of dive into one of the, any of these different topics that i think um will be beneficial to the listeners is that you know dan daniel the The ability for owners to realize that they don't have to be their business and that's financially and emotionally. That's the common themes that I bring up on the, on the show with a lot of the listeners Um, and and the guests is like, you know, it's like this terrifying, like in the EOS world, once you become the visionary, you just kind of like meddle in stuff. And I I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't look above and beyond (laughs) to understanding how they can reinvent their own life. So Maybe we kind of let's take that personal journey because I like and then I want to make sure that we come back to how you helped reinvent the business and did did it operationally, too, because I think that's also a big challenge and how people can operationally get themselves out, which you've got a lot of experience in. And then also um, from the financial perspective doing this. But like from you personally, what allowed yourself to kind of go through this? Because I mean, so many people have this anxiety of once I get there. They almost hit this like glass ceiling of themselves, and then they go backwards <laughs> to become get more affirmation and you know being the firefighter or solving unique problems. So, like what what led you to to going down this route?
1: Well, it wasn't I'm gonna just share with you, you know, I mean it was not like intentional, right? it was it was almost out of necessity. So I mean, I'd known before I'd had kids, I'd kind of i I've always wanted to be a dad and I have two beautiful. Six. I have a sixteen-year-old, two boys, six and eight-year-olds. I always knew I want to be a dad, but I kind of like made this little promise to myself: I don't want to be crawling under desks, and I want to be able to be home for dinner and be a present dad. So that kind of for that was the purpose or vision, and that's when, when there's this external purpose or vision, it's when I feel it works best when you have a real reason that you want to get out of the business more, mm-hmm. and so. You know what? My kids were born, and I was still crawling under desks, but I was certainly home for dinner. I wasn't doing the late night server replacements and overnight, over weekend stuff that I I had had to do previously. And then within a couple of years, I was able to really get myself out from under desks. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally. (laughs) Yeah, literally. That's what we do. We set up computers. And I I love doing that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But it just wasn't compatible with the life that I wanted to have with my family. uh, And I wanted to build a team that could, do those things help them create openings for them, so that they could learn and grow, and then I can move on to some other things that I, you know, found ex, ex more exciting and to help me also develop and grow. Because at a certain point, you know, I get bored too. I'm the typical ADD entrepreneur and can't do the same thing for too long. Um, and frankly, that's why I love technology it works so well for me because it does right. change <laughs> massively in really a short amount of time. So. Uh, It started with that, that kind of commitment to be at home. So it means, well, I need to build a team. I need to, we need to create some structure. Uh, We need to have roles and responsibilities. And then the next kind of milestone turning point was having our weekly lunch, my now business partner and I, Micah, at Smashburger. No, what's the place that has the French fries or the peanuts? Not Smashburger. They have the peanuts. Anyhow. Wild, wild Bills. <laughs> no, I can't remember the name <laughs> you of it got a now. big bucket
0: and big 55-pound <laughs>
1: Yeah, the boxes of peanuts <laughs> everywhere. Anyway, we were having, uh, having lunch, having our weekly meeting, and he said, Dan, here's the thing. Love you. You're great, but we're stepping on each other's toes a lot and there's no clear structure about who's doing what. And by the time that you get involved with something, we've already already fixed it and you just kind of make a mess of it. So could you just... And all due do love and respect, step off and let me run the operations of the company. Well, after I stopped crying, I was just going to say, how'd that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after, I, after I was done crying about that, <laughs> I said, okay, well, I was, it was not sad. I mean, it was both sad, but also kind of like, I was very happy. I was happy, right. That I had somebody here, Micah, who's like stepping up and saying, Hey, I want to, I want to take a whack at this. He said, you go do sales. I'm going to handle operations. And I said, wow, I think I'm okay with that. Let's give it a try. And so that took a lot of courage and it was a very difficult conversation, difficult transition. And ultimately I, I gave it to him and it wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. We, you know, made it that cost, it cost money here and there, but ultimately I stayed out of it, which is the hardest thing to do and let him learn and grow. And today, to this day, he, he's been a phenomenal operations leader and then he has since delegated and elevated out of that role into the role of, into more of his time spent in the role of integrator than he's actually taken over sales. So it's a really great story of delegating and elevating to a unique ability. And so he took what I had worked on in operations and cleaned it up and simplified it, made it work so much better, created role and structure. Back then we only had maybe five or six employees, uh, made it to the point where we scaled now to 15 Uh, So yeah, that was the first step, and that's why I say it wasn't really intentional. And then I, uh, the other unintentional change was when I went through a divorce, and I needed, I just needed time to work on the divorce. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of work, and it's deep. It's extremely emotionally straining, and I just needed time to work on myself. And so I'm so grateful that everything kind of more or less lined up. That and this is about five years ago. That. I could, I took essentially a forced sabbatical for my own well-being and my family, what my family needed me to be doing. But I said, I need to stop working right now. And so as difficult as it was, my business partner, Micah, he supported me in this and he took everything over and I was able to focus on my myself and my family and, and moving through this, uh, you know, this extremely difficult uh, phase in my life. And then I uh, took six took six full months off and there's oh, a wow. great way to know if your business can work without you is to take some time off and not be involved. And I really, I was completely disconnected from it and the business continued to grow in my absence, which is kind of cool. So yeah, not really intentional, but then I went back to him for these six months and he said, Hey, I said, Hey Mike, okay, I'm ready to come back and do something for the company. He said, well, we're good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is he, uh, would you partners with you at this point? You know,
1: good question. So for... I don't know how long, a long time ago, we had this phantom stock arrangement and then that worked great. It was invested over many years and it got to the point where it's fully vested. And then we just came to the point where I said, you know what? I'm ready. We're ready. Let's just make this a real, let's just, let's just be partners. Uh, and we made that phantom stock then go away and turn into a real, real stock. And so he formally became my, my business partner um, around, around that three, four year mark. Yeah. Around that time. Uh, after definitely
0: after my divorce, uh, we, we made that change. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I find awesome about this story and for the listeners that are out there that can see that, like, cause of the challenges that I've come across in my own experience with Daniel and that I know a lot of people in our peer groups that we're in is like that number two, that Micah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that's crazy the the level of trust and the level of transparency that you guys had right I mean because like I think I mean if you think about the opposite how end of that or the different choose your own adventure story is Micah gets all upset that he's you know making you a bunch of money and he sabotages everything right I mean like Mm -hmm. that's worst case scenario but like how to balance and deli uh, the delicate situation between whose cash flow is it whose ownership is it I mean all that stuff I mean. Any rough patches or any advice that you have about how you how you guys went through that, that uh, line of communication?
1: You know, I'd always, we'd had conversations about compensation and making it fair. I always was like, oh, well, this will just be the last time we ever have to talk about this. It's going to be set forever. Well, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, compensation is an ongoing and evolving thing and we've made changes to it, significant changes to it, even as recent as six months ago. You know, I'm not full-time in the business, so he makes, he has a higher salary than I do, and I'm right. okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think being open-minded, abundance-minded about how everything is structured and the questions I always ask were like, well, what what does this look like for you? What do you need? Like, what does success look like? And then we would structure it accordingly. And So uh, the, the hardest part is, of course, coming up with that, that number, that percentage. Uh, and ultimately, we were able to figure that out uh, and then do all the paperwork and get it all all taken care of but the key thing was we had it more or less figured out what we wanted to do and why before we got any kind of lawyers or anything like that involved. <laughs>
0: bingo <laughs> and then you know what, what I you, you bring up a, a interesting point about him having a higher salary because like I I think about the clients that I work with and one of the biggest I don't know if misconceptions is the right word or maybe confusions the difference between ownership and w2 pay so mm-hmm. Ownership versus management roles and responsibilities where people can get compensated, you know, less for doing whatever role they're in, but still own the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, that like when I think about what you were doing with, with Micah and these, these, I, I call them like a, it's like a pivotal point in a business around the, the you guys have surpassed when the business is no longer just a piggy bank for the owner to live their lifestyle or they're taking sal, you know, maybe an inflated salary, inflated rent distributions and, you, you know, sucking it dry, right. Versus looking at it like a bigger picture where you're saying, okay, I understand what this is worth or like what my ultimate goal is and how this fits in. I mean, did you kind of run into some stumbling blocks along the way as you were kind of saying, okay, like it is okay. Like you, if you understand what I'm maybe the, I do, thoughts, yeah. like, wh- how did you reframe that thought process? Was it over time? Like, how did you start looking at that differently?
1: I kind of mentally considered Mike an owner and he'd always had an owner mindset uh, for a quite for quite some time And yeah you know sure we you know I made distributions when I needed to make distributions and it was around the time that we made him partner that I, we both changed our mindset of the business to of course be designed to help us live our ideal lives and help our people and our company live their ideal lives as well. Uh, But then we also kind of thought of it as an investment as well. So like we are investors in this company. That's kind of how we think about it. And yeah, we happen to be also employees of this company. But we draw a pretty distinct delineation between those two separate roles as investors in TechGuru and as employees of TechGuru. So as employees, we have to follow the rules as long with everybody else. Like, I have I like wearing shorts during the summer, but we don't have it. We, we don't wear shorts in our office. That's just the one thing we do. Like we're, we're pretty easygoing, but that's like one rule that we have. Like I can be fired from my role. He, Micah can be fired from his role. So those are key things that we, we make sure that we delineate. And then that as owners and investors, we're on the same page and providing a clear guidance to the leadership team, which of course is easy because we happen to be on, be two thirds of the leadership team of the company. But providing, but it may not always be that way, right? But as investors, providing clear guidance and expectations to the leadership team on where where this we'd like this company to go, and I think that this degree of financial maturity came from just having some good advisors in our in our lives, particularly like Greg Crabtree, who's a thought leader around small business and finance and accounting, and we have subscribed to his concepts of. Every investment that we make in Tech Guru, we, we're looking to maximize return on invested capital, and at least make our our money back within a year, and then have positive return, you know, within two years, right? And so, but together, Micah and I make make our decisions using that that frame of mind. But I'll just tell everybody here, like I still like to have my own thing and not <laughs> have to talk to anybody, so. My EOS practice I set up separately, <laughs> so I can just do my own thing. And like, I still like want to own something, just be it that I just own, right? Yeah. In my marriage, I have I have my spouse I answer to. In tech guru, I have my work depending spouse. on the day. Or your work, work spouse, it is work, what it wife, is. For husband <laughs> Micah, that we have to be on the same page about things. But in this my my EOS practice, I can just do my thing and (laughs) I (laughs) I I still have an outlet for that, that need that desire to just be able to have something that, Oh, you know what? I'm going to set up a, this thing okay, I'm going to set this up and I can just do it. I love account. it. I love it. Well, I think does it's super, makes sense? so like that makes sense? Oh my I mean, God,
0: does it ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, if I'm going to see to pull the money over here and just do this, I don't, I just don't, I just want to do it. That's my yeah. rationale. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I still have my little sandbox yeah. that I can do You can do that totally right you have express.
0: the right brain experiences. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so but well, there's, I, can I just say one thing? Yeah, yeah. But it's been, but it's so, it's so worthwhile to have a business partner and that business and I'm much, I'm so happy to have him and it's worth it to be working with him and to get on the same page. Cause the things that we can do when we put our heads together and work together are so much greater than either of, of us trying to do it all by ourselves. And so I'll just well, and, you know, leave it at that. So it's just, well, and I it's, think a, he, it's not better or worse. It's just different.
0: Well, and I think you're, you, well, you hit on a bunch of very important things, Dana, because you're the, the, like, when I talk about our five principles and like, it's just, it's about changing your thought process from like two dimensional to three dimensional, which I think is you're going from, it's a piggy bank job to it's an investment and it just, it changes how you have a complete, yeah, complete completely change your perception on how you're doing your projects, how you're managing it because, and it's also makes it easier to have very easy conversations. Well, There could be hard, but like with Micah, like, Hey, here's our roles, because you're not trying to be like, I, I interviewed someone recently, Daniel, like they said, 90 some percent of entrepreneurs are solving for the income each year mm, mm. instead of solving for the value creation. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, that is like the tag tagline of our company. <laughs> and so like, you know, how you guys are having those conversations, have you found it easier when you're, you know, doing and solving for the value creation versus like trying to, you know, fight for that last dollar? I mean, I, cause I know you're in a lot of peer groups and stuff like that. What do you, what are the common challenges you see with you know owners that go through that? I think that
1: all starts with uh, living within our means personally and not being, you know, we've created a structure in Tech guru Monthly Recurring Revenue Model, generally profitable, you know what I mean? Where we can make decisions without having to worry about the, uh, uh, without having to think about like, oh, am I going to mm-hmm. be able to make my mortgage payment this mm-hmm. month? You know what I'm saying? Or so payroll, that or whatever the heck of, it is. Yeah. yeah, right. Payroll, exactly. And then again, with the guidance of our, with Greg Crabtree, we've been able to figure out, hey, what's the amount of cash that we should have on hand so we have two months of, of cash and you know on hand at all times. So that's an additional peace of mind. And then you know, sure, we take our tax distributions as as needed, and then we need to agree on when we're going to make other distributions. But we also have said, look, well, first of all, to make other distributions, we need to make sure we have met our cap, minimum capital yep. requirements for the company. And then we're going to take a look at profitability and see how that's been. If the company can afford it, then sure. But otherwise, both of us live off of our, need to live off of our salaries. And so then we're not, we're not in a situation where we're pressured to take, uh, with, 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 with an exception here and there of sure, you know, Micah bought, bought a house, right? So we, we made arrangements to make sure that that could happen
0: which, uh, I, which is like it's that. normal stuff but like it's about yeah. accounting for like you said yeah right? i mean we're like, cause, planning on it because i think about like when we're when we're working with our clients and like you when you normalize your ebitda and understand what your yeah. cash flow looks like these are all explained you know very easily explained stuff because you're tracking yeah. it right you're not yes. just it's not just this lumpy convoluted <laughs> mess of no. personal I and mean, business and like, i i see this on the upwards of 77 million dollar companies so it's not like i don't think size um it, you know, discriminates and as far as like oh. how people manage this stuff. How can you explain Daniel about level? You know, I've had a lot of, I've had Mike Payton on the show. It's been a couple of years, but like, you know, I've I talk a lot about EOS and how EOS can help integrate a lot of our five principles. Explain your, like how you came across EOS and what that did. Cause I think in, in towards helping you elevate and delegate and then, how, because you know some context behind that, I think that's an easy way once you have differentiated the the investment from the W two, how you can use the system to be able to just really decouple yourself and continue to grow. So, explain your experience with that and why you decided to to double down with the practice.
1: All right. So before EOS, it was going something like this: I'd come back from a conference, I'd tell everybody to stop what they're doing. <laughs> We're going to do it a totally different way now, and this would happen about every other month. And then we had burnout, we had turnover, the company was not profitable, and people like, it was just complete chaos, right? And then uh, I was fortunate enough, and Mike Payton has been an inspiration to me uh, in many ways, and he has made and helped EOS become very popular, you know, in Minnesota, Minnesota, Uh, and so much popu- social so popular that I learned about it through my involvement with an entrepreneurial peer organization called EO, mm-hmm. uh, Entrepreneur's organization. Anyhow, and it's through that organization I learned about EOS. When I was on a board meeting and Peyton, Mike Peyton, everybody just calls him Peyton, was facilitating quarterly planning, and it blew my mind. And I thought to myself, I have never been in a more productive meeting where things <laughs> got done. People <laughs> knew what they were going to do from here on forward. And I said, we have to do this at Tech Guru. So I brought the book, shared it with everybody at our, you know, weekly meeting or whatever, and then I had the biggest simultaneous eye roll you've ever seen from everybody.
0: <laughs> another yep. another thing, yep. Daniel. Thank
1: you very yep. much. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, we just have to wait them out. Let's be another <laughs> month or so." Well, that fateful day, uh, what was so cool about it is we got it. We got level ten meetings up and running, so we started having productive meetings and clarity around roles. People knew what they were doing. I got the vision out of my head and onto a piece of paper called the Vision Traction Organizer. And then something magical happened. Without even talking to me, and I'd mentioned around this that, that Micah had taken over operations. Without even talking to me, he started running operations level 10 format and started doing accountability chart and creating roles and structure in that or, in that part of our team. And I was like blown away. I'm like, wow, you really believe in this. So We're still using the system to this day. It's still helping us get things done and build an ideal company. And it's one of the reasons that we attract and retain so many people. And we have people that have been with our company over seven years now. Uh, And what do you know? That's about the time we implemented EOS, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so it's really, really a powerful tool. And the accountability chart was what helped solve the issue. I'd mentioned Mike and I stepping on each other's toes. And so we clear defined HIN roles, clearly defined my roles. And that really made it, helped us understand our jobs in the business. And then there's this thing that's not on the official accountability chart called the owner's box. And that's where Mike and I are on the same page as investors in the company. And there's a powerful tool called partnership rules of the game in EOS that lays out what's expected of partners in the owner's box and how they should uh, interact and relate. You know, they can solve issues about the business you know, but they need to be on the same page in uh, a united front to the leadership team. And then, on the leader, as in our roles on, in the company on the leadership team, for example, uh, both Mike and I can also visionary integrator as well. And him and I and visionary integrator need to be on the same page. So, we still to this day, and I think it's one of the things that made this work so well, is to this day, we still meet once a week. Now it's dinner to make sure that as both owners and visionary integrator, we're always on the same page and a united front in front of the whole rest of the company.
0: Which is unbelievably difficult to do if you yes. don't have a system to do this. Yeah, I mean, you like, have to have a system. So um, one of the things that I, I wanted to, and I don't know where in your timeline, Daniel, that you had US um, when you kind of shifted the business model. And, and, I, and I don't know a ton about the back and ops of like your, um, your evolution, but like I know from, you know, the manage it space going from break fix model to the recurring revenue. And the reason I want to bring this up is because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have businesses that they might need to like rethink their business models to create more value instead of having just you know three times EBITDA because it's a you know break fix project shop to creating actual sustainable value and how you can use like our five principles and EOS combined to implement something and change that kind of model. I mean, did you? How did you go about doing it? Because it can be a painful experience shifting business models like that, but the out, the on, like what it's like on the other side is so amazing that it's worth the work. Where did that come into play in your guys' timeline?
1: Yeah, good question. And we, it just seems like every few years we go through some kind of evolution. And so I kind of, to take, to make it less scary, I just reminded myself, hey, we went from, a break fix selling and trading hours for dollars to a model where people have the trust and confidence in us to pay us a fixed monthly fee well if that if that's the case we can do the we can do it again we can do it with this cpa focus and what we do is we just take 90 day priorities like rocks we put in our one year plan and we use the, you know, use the EOS tools that are given to us to help us initiate this change, communicate it with the whole rest of the company and help them see what their roles are and clarify what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it this way, and how they can help us move in that meaningful direction. So it makes, so yes, we are going to be a national IT service provider for accounting firms. We're essentially starting up a new company within our company, is mm-hmm. as, as what we did. But when you break it down to one-year goal, ninety-day rocks, it becomes so much more attainable. Just like implementing uh, the five, in, uh, implementing your methodology as well, right? So, hey, this is what we're going to do: we're going to make this big strategic change to increase both the value of our our company and make it sustainable. Make it so for the first time ever we can market and grow in a consistent, sustainable way. Imagine that we've never been able to do that for the f- previous fifteen years because it's so difficult to as a small company to market differentiate yourself. And, and differentiate ourselves as a generalist. So I said, we need to make this change. Like we see the writing on the wall. In fact, the question that we always ask ourselves is, and we ask ourselves every year, if somebody moved in next door and put out a, put up a business and they put us out of business in a year, how'd they do it? And then we said, if uh, specialized IT practices open up for each of the types of industries that we serve, they would, one by one, take all of our every last one of our clients because they could do it for better, do it better, the higher return on investment for their clients than we ever could by trying to be a generalist. Period. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Okay, well, we need to be that. We need to put ourselves out of business." And so, twenty-mile march uh, methodology or concept, which is just making consistent progress every single quarter after quarter after quarter. Yes, that's what we did. We commit to it as a leadership team. We don't change rocks mid-quarter. We write them s- smart, specific, measurable, attainable, results-oriented, timely, and then we share them with the entire company at the quarterly state of the company. So they're holding us accountable too. The pressure's on to do what we say we're going to do, and then we report our rocks after at the end of the quarter and where we got them done.
0: Well, what I what I love about this is you make something super daunting into something that's you know bite-sized chunks and like because like I think about you know. Couple little bit of context, and I was like, I, you know, I think that the managed IT industry, when I've looked at, I mean, I've been in, just like you with EOS, probably know, I've been in a lot of different industries. So you, you know, from manufacturing to e-commerce to retail to you know SaaS to whatever it is, I, I think it's very unique that I think the managed IT, our old industry, your industry, and the office equipment is a little bit more mature and like the finances and like the, some of the stuff that they're solving for. Like, like I, I mean. In the htg htg groups i don't know if you're ever part of those but i've interviewed arlen on my show and like they're kind of instilling the value creation of value perception a lot so like mm-hmm. the five a lot of the fundamentals of our five principles is kind of baked into the old my old industry your industry where you look at a lot of these entrepreneurs that i like i now am getting into that are not part of that industry and it's so foreign to talk about valuation and like value mm-hmm. creation and then like how to assist like systematically get it because like i think about you know if you have a why what's your why is you know if you're looking at it as an investment they're like switching like what you did a couple of these different pivots it's scary as shit and like yeah, but if you have a, scary. <laughs> if you have a reason to do it and you know that there's going to be a financial and a business upside to it it makes it easier and you know how you're going to implement it i mean i just i find it so interesting of how paralyzed people can be without understanding where they're going and how to get there i mean like what are some of the takeaways that you've seen as you've been, you know, working with other companies? That you know that the owner has an idea where they want to go, but how? how what are the things that they're doing to make that not as terrifying to 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 go go towards?
1: Yeah, I'll share with you the moment of like terror happened a few months ago when we realized that. We are no longer getting any leads from non CPA firms. So this really needs to work. (laughs) (laughs) But it was 78 today. Come on. (laughs) No, no, non CPA firms. So, yeah, but but, you got
0: 78 from CPA firms. But now we have to deliver.
1: Now we have to show and prove that we can really deliver and do this. And yeah, we've got, we closed two new CPA firms last week as clients. So, but now we have to deliver and prove it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, it's great. The leads are coming in. Uh, now the pressure's on because uh, especially in this industry they talk man they share and they right. they talk to each other so and I'm confident and we are already delivering tremendous value but that said, yes I do see where there's a wake-up call and they realize boy what's gotten us where we're here, you know they're saying that what's gotten us yep. here is not going to get us where we want to go we need to yep. evolve and change and so it just always just starts with one somebody taking one small step like evaluate or look into, X, Y, Z initiative, or look into this thing, or maybe we need to stop doing something that we're doing. It just takes a small step. Like, yeah, you look backwards and like the amount of things that we've accomplished in the last 12 months is insane. But that's mm-hmm. because there's three of us on the leadership team and frankly, 15 of us in the whole company, everybody taking a couple of rocks every single quarter, even if everybody took two rocks, that's 30 rocks every single quarter that we're getting done. Which is crazy. Marching forward making progress. So that's 30 rocks a quarter times four quarters a year. You do the math. I mean, that's 120 rocks of meaningful, important things that we're doing to evolve this business and continue to both grow as a company, as departments, as individuals, and ultimately helping our clients grow their businesses as well. So again, I think that big picture, we convince everybody, hey, this is where we're headed. Now we're all taking and moving the making progress every single, every single quarter, every single week of the quarter.
0: Well, I think what EOS does too, not only just actually makes the execution become part of the fabric of the culture, but you like to be an entrepreneur, you have to be able to think you have to be an entrepreneur. It can take some time Go, Should we dive down or double down in the CPA niche? You know what I mean? Like if you don't have the time to think there's no way you're going to wake, you're going to wake up one day. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And I was uh, watching Bill Gates. He's got a new documentary on Netflix. Oh my gosh. I've heard just, about it. I want to oh, see it. Oh, decoding Bill's brain. And I mean, first of all, he's got a, like $100 billion, so he can think as much as he wants and he'll be just fine. But yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, he takes his 36 books and he has Think Week every single year. And it's just awesome because, like, I, you know, how he, as I think, because our boot camp is two days and some of the, f- the feedback I've had as well. I don't know if I can take two days, Mike, if you can't take two days, man, you got way bigger problems. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't, if you, you have to be able to take a step back and say, what is the purpose here? Otherwise you're just going to be sidelined by, by something that you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the, what are the biggest challenges that you see with your EOS clients or even in the peer groups, Daniel, between the owner and getting freedom like you're talking about? I think it's
1: a lot of times it's like letting go, whether it's the past or the things that they're doing in the business. And the problem is if they if they find derive all their purpose and meaning in their life from their business, then you're yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> there's not a whole lot we can do. But if they can find and get involved with other things that are uh, deeply fulfilling and meaningful like maybe for me i think it's going to be youth entrepreneurship i also love flying i'm really involved with my kids school like i have other things that i find deeply meaningful mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. that you know that tech guru's growth is helping me uh in, invest time energy into these and money into these other areas of my life and so i think the key thing is there has to be some some reason. Something else that you're looking to do or accomplish in your life, and then your business can help you get there. So that when you you have a reason to delegate and elevate out of those things in your business that aren't truly, you know, helping you get, you know, kind of get a the company where you want it to go and help you be get where where you want to go. So I think it's That's letting go point. of those roles, uh, letting go of control, allowing others in the organization we call it creating the opening rise up and help them lead and manage within the organization. It's probably the hardest part. It's a hundred percent mental game and I help every last one of my clients, I'm helping them do all of
0: this every single time I'm meeting with them. So what are the, and do ditto and all that stuff. And like, I mean, you're right. It's letting, letting go, releasing control, all like the purpose and meaning. I and mean, you just like, you pretty much gave the commercial for the podcast and uh-huh. like, well, mean, it's life after. I mean, because it, it, right. is, it is emotional. I mean, I've had people that have, you know, made insane amounts of money on the show that are miserable because they didn't write stuff. I mean, like insane amounts of money and they're just yeah. like, cr- you know, crying on the show or afterwards you hear these stories and what, it, you know, you, you obviously have, are a very intentional individual. Um, what are other tools that you I mean, honestly, for all the clients and listeners, like, what what are ways to explore what else, how to find your purpose and meaning outside of the business?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So I use the EOS Personal Plan. It's called. Uh, it's a free download, I believe, from their website, and it's a two-page plan for me and my family uh, with our our core values, our purpose, thing, our passions, our bucket list. And then uh, a picture of what it looks like three years from now, one year goals, and then of course my own quarterly, you know, quarterly rocks for myself personally. So that's a tool that I use. And then I just am constantly exposing uh, or being exposed to like new learning and growth opportunities as well. I just, for example, was at strategic coach for two days in Toronto, learning new ways, meeting new people, getting inspired by others so getting out of town going to conferences and meeting other entrepreneurs has been really really inspiring to me uh and then reading other reading books about whether it's entrepreneurship or or whatever and just getting kind of being involved in in my community recently i i just went out of my comfort zone and despite having no understanding of anything football related i helped coach my sons um <laughs> Good like football you. team, right? <laughs> so putting myself in different situations where I'm gonna have an opportunity to learn and grow allows me to be inspired. Add so in Toronto, I literally added like five things to my three year picture on uh, my personal plan just by being inspired by the things and I was learning and, and people I was talking to.
0: That's awesome. So those are just
1: some of the ways that I'm I'm doing that. I don't get a lot of that inspiration. No, I don't get a lot of inspiration from my family necessarily. My, I don't yeah. mean my immediate family, but my like my relatives and things like that because th- I don't have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family. Yeah. So I really look for that in other places. Whether it's like I said, conferences, um, entrepreneurial peer groups, hear about really cool things that people are doing. And I'm like, hey, I, that sounds cool. Maybe, maybe I, you know, Gino Wickman is writing this book called Entrepreneurial Leap. I'm gonna, I'm, I've already pre-ordered my copy. I'm gonna read that and see how I can. You know, maybe help work with early, 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 like pre-entrepreneurs, pre-startup entrepreneurs, figure out if they really have got what it takes uh, to be an entrepreneur and then help them shorten their learning curve a little. Really cool book that I'm wondering if I can, you know, use as as a jumping off point to help, you know, youth, you know, help with youth entrepreneurship and stuff like that. So it's those kind of things that I'm just keeping my uh, eyes and ears open because uh, Dan Sullivan quotes, you know, as he says, your eyes only see, and your ears only hear what your brain is looking for. So I'm looking to make a big impact and in in meaningful community, meaningful ways in the communities I'm in. And so I'm I'm constantly looking for those looking for those things.
0: Well, which you're you're focused on, it, right? Like I just I think summing up that you're very intentional <laughs> is is a pretty good adjective. But you know, also what you were you were talking about this uh, entrepreneur timeframe, and I'll let you explain it. But what I think is that. Someone that is in this position that owns a company that is looking for a way to explore what life can be like outside of the day to day affirmation of the company. And I'm, I'm talking like, you I got people that are our clients and of ours that are, you know, in their 60s and they've never done, never known anything besides the business. And so this right. is like hard for them. You know, you're not, sure. you're not on the younger end of the spectrum. Like, oh, I got lots of time. So it's like, it's immediate, but maybe I think they could take a designated time. To say yes to random stuff like you just mentioned. But so why don't you explain the entrepreneurial time time frame? I think it's pretty cool.
1: It's uh it's a strategic coach concept called the entrepreneurial time system. And you can you can you can check it out on their website. And Dan Sullivan has several awesome, awesome podcasts, uh, where he talks about these concepts. Uh, it just dovetails so beautifully into EOS and the concepts that we teach within EOS of the Clarity Break, for example. One of the things we teach is the clarity break to you know, hey, you spend so much time working on your business. What about taking some time to work on yourself and just do some thinking time, like you talked about with Bill Gates? So, the entrepreneurial time system is that is this concept that you know, entrepreneurs we tend to just mishmash everything into one day, whether <laughs> in thinking time, uh, free time, working on you know, revenue generating things, growth things, and then like just like miscellaneous like uh, preparation, email, scheduling, all that kind of stuff. So. Dan Sullivan put it into three buckets, free days, focus days, and buffer days. And free days are those opportunities that's rejuvenating. It's rejuvenation time to not think about the business, not work on the business, not work at all, not even read books about business, not even read business books, right? Which we all love, but it's time to do what you love with people you love, allowing yourself to just recenter. Uh, and And I recognize the priorities in your life, right? And so for me, that looks like going and spending time with my husband and my kids, and doing things that we we enjoy together. Uh, And then there's and and not doing email or business text messages or not on your phone, unplugged. You're not you're (laughs) not on your phone. And the really key thing here is if you want to be held accountable, because of course I don't know about you, but I need some external accountability. You want to be held accountable to this? Tell your kids (laughs) (laughs) you want to be off your phone. And boy, they'll keep. They'll be. Uh, I was just say they're probably pretty
0: good managers at that. <laughs> Super good.
1: They will hold you accountable. Uh, so free days are, are one piece mm-hmm. of it, and then there's there's focus days. So focus days are things are acti- only activities that are are really gr- driving growth in your company. Uh, whether it's for me, it's it's doing EOS session days. It's uh, having meaningful conversations with clients and potential clients. Uh, and it's it's working on you know working on the business, striking that partnership with works that I'd mentioned. That kind of stuff is our focused activities. And again, it's not email. It's not distraction distraction type stuff. That stuff is for your buffer days. And buffer days are really preparation, dot, dot and I's crossing the t's. It's continuing education for yourself. It's me training my assistant to help take more and more off of my plate. And what makes this so magical is you commit to a 24 hour period of doing just one of those things, just a free, just a focus, or just a buffer on any particular day. You plan it out in advance, you commit to it. I share with my, my assistant, uh, my fabulous assistant, what I'm gonna be doing, what I'm gonna be doing each of these days, and then organizing the days accordingly. So what I found is and what people who use this system have found is your focus days are way more productive than otherwise. Because you're not dragged down, bogged down with the del- d- details and minutia, your free days are so much more enjoyable, and you're able to be much more creative when it mm-hmm. comes creative and focused on your focus days. And then your buffer days, your catch-all, right? And where of course things are going to come up. You got to renew the tabs. You got to pay that parking ticket. You got to all that other life, right? There's things that you just got to take care of and prepare for, and get organized to have those phenomenal you know, this phenomenal focus and free days. So that's the system. I'm committed to using it. I'm still just getting it set up in my life. But I found that when I took my free day on Saturday, that it was incredible, you know, just incredibly enjoyable to just allow myself to say, no, you it's know okay. what, I, I'm not going to okay. look at my phone. I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to be present. Yeah. yeah. It can wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think it's, you know, it, a summary of the whole show if your interview is like it's intentional right i mean right. and it takes a ridiculous amount of works to have the discipline behind this right and mm-hmm. kind of go back to that um that book i was talking about atomic habits which i highly recommend but i mean it just takes a lot of work to build the habits around this stuff it's for sure it's hard work it is oh, you ever heard it what's the quote daniel where it's like um discipline equals freedom
1: oh my that? gosh
0: absolutely i can't remember who said that i mean it definitely wasn't me i didn't make it up no <laughs> um so as we're, you know, you've given us a ton to think about. Um, you know, if you were looking back um it to yourself before you started doing all this stuff, what would you what, what words of advice, you know, like one thing that you would, you would say, you know, as you were, were kind of in the chaos of everything?
1: Boy, when you're in the chaos, it's almost too late. And it's it's almost at this point the the fear of not wanting to be back in the chaos. That helps keep me focused. <laughs> right? <laughs> aren't we all motivated by fear at some If yeah. you get when you get deep enough. Yeah. You know. Anyhow, I think it comes down to vulnerability. If you want to really boil it all down, being vulnerable uh, with myself and aligned internally about what I want and. You know, when I was in middle school, I thought that the highest possible thing would be I'd, I'd be able to drive someday a Toyota 4Runner. I mean, that was the <laughs> pinnacle for me. <laughs> and I did. But the problem is I did. I got one. I got a beautiful Toyota 4Runner 10-plus t- f- t- years ago. And so I have I've, I reached the pinnacle of what my, my middle-aged self thought I could be. But that was a long time ago. So I had to re- kind of reinvent myself. <laughs> Going back to vulnerability – I think about those early conversations because it really all comes down to being, having a really highly productive relationship with Micah mm-hmm. and being vulnerable with him and talking about where I'm at and what my needs are, allowing him to be vulnerable, created trust with each other. That is the, one of the most important related, probably maybe the second most important relationship in my, you know, my business career, well, first most important business, relationship in my business career, maybe second or third, Overall third, life, third right? second only to my family <laughs> right? personally. Is him and I being open, honest, and vulnerable with each other because we feel like we can be trust. We can trust each other, following through, doing what I'm saying I'm going to do in small ways. You know, following through on the commitments that I've made, created an an environment, a structure of trust where we can accomplish almost anything we put our minds to now. And it makes it without that trust. I've seen what it looks like, unfortunately, when that trust doesn't exist within a team of leaders. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Yep. You're, you can't do anything. You're totally frozen. Are you a um, Brene, Brene Brown Brene Brown, of course. I yes. was going to say,
0: man, I just like, you just like, like big, huge, uh, uh overarching, uh, theme there. I mean, she's yeah. yeah, ready to rumble emotionally. Right.
1: Yes. And so it's, it's scary to be vulnerable and this is what her work is on. And I've been watching some of these Ted talks with my kids on this yeah. topic of vulnerability. And without that willingness to be vulnerable and just put it out there and talk about feelings and things like that, there's no chance that a really of this would have worked out. So, and that was a scary thing to do as a 20 something year old, uh, you know, young adult is, is put it out there and talk about how I'm feeling. But every time I have it's, it's really
0: better. Isn't it? Like, and I think about, you know, I actually did an interview with Sue Hawks where we were talking a lot about this vulnerability too. And um, the, like for, for owners where you're so isolated, Daniel, at the top, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're, well, you're bearing the, the burden of payroll and every, I actually, the woman that I interviewed, she, she did, unfortunately did get burnt out, but she's like, everybody wins except me. I'm the, I'm the hook mm-hmm. for everything. And I said, yeah. well, like, you know, it, to be able to like actually speak up and be vulnerable about this. That's right. God, you can actually get help from everybody. Everybody can help you accomplish what you want. Otherwise right. you're stuck alone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So for our listeners that want your help with EOS, want to find more of your material or ping you and reach, you know, reach out on any of the stuff that you've been talking about, what's the best way to get in touch with
1: you? Yeah. Check out my website, which has got links to all the social stuff, strongin6.com. Probably the easiest thing. And then Facebook uh, you can just search for my name on Facebook, follow me there. Uh, probably the best ways to get a hold of me and then uh learn more about tech guru and the really cool things we're doing to help modernize the uh the CPA firms out there at
0: techguruIT.com. Daniel, it's been a blast, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Daniel. I really had a blast with him because he does things with intention and he goes and gets it. Yeah, he went through a changing point and an inflection point with his business when he realized that he had to get out of it. But instead of doing the knee-jerk move that I hear all the time on the podcast or throughout our clients or the people that have come through our boot camps, is that... When you become burnt out, it's amazing how you just want to get out of the business and it's not the right time to do it because everybody else can harvest the value that you did not harvest yourself because you want it out. And Daniel did the right things. He implemented EOS. He had hard conversations with his now partner and he was able to decouple ownership From management, he was able to put a plan in place. He's now monitoring and measuring capital and a return on capital because of his business while doing what he loves outside the company. If you want to figure out how this whole landscape works, check out our two-day boot camps on how to grow next to your company using the five principles they're in Minnesota and Dayton, Ohio. We got a couple coming in in Florida and Arizona. Check out the show notes and you'll see a link to the boot camps. It's 5000 bucks. It's two days and It's the crash course on how valuations work, how to identify your financial targets, the different exit options, ways to increase the value of your company to give you sustainable, predictable cash flow to then therefore go get what you want. And how to hire your team of advisors. It's everything I wish we would have had before we sold the company, and everything I think you should do to level your knowledge and understand how to go get what you want. So, with that being said, I will see you next week.